just want to, you guys probably in school aren't going to hear the whole story, but I think it might be significant um, behind this. In December, God told me, I felt he told me to quit my job to write this book in two months to prepare because if we're really on the verge of this next great awakening, then it doesn't, nothing else really matters, right? And being a part of what God's about to pour out. So this is really a miracle book. There's no way with Heidi and Lou and Bill and myself, this could have happened without the Lord in two months. And it really is, I, I look at this and I almost want to weep because I'm like, God, you're so good. This couldn't have happened without the Holy Spirit. This is literally, you talk about raising the dead or doing the impossible. This is impossible. There's no way this could have happened in two months without the Holy Spirit totally on it. So um, I'm really excited. I really felt like what would happen if people actually, when they went to Azusa, it's happened to the 110 anniversary of Azusa Street Arrival. What would happen if they knew about the well? And and some of the stories I want to share today, I look around, I'm like, this is what was happening at the Bonnie Bray House. I'm like, this is happening, and I love that we're just tapping into it. Like, there's no agenda but God. You guys are here because of God. And so I'm excited to share this story because um, it just causes me to burn. And um, I'm just, yeah, I'm so to be here with you guys. I'm just going to read some encounters, and I have a few prophetic things, and we're just going to continue to go after um, God's heart for tonight. He's touching people, continue to let him touch you. And I just want to read um, some encounters that happened 100 years ago. Um, in the Los Angeles area preceding Azusa. One was just before Azusa happened. One night at the New Testament church during a deep spirit of prayer on the congregation, the Lord came suddenly so near that we could feel his presence as though he were closing in on the edges around me. Um, Two-thirds of the people sprang to their feet in alarm. And some ran hurriedly out of the house, even leaving their hats behind them, almost scared out of their senses. There was no demonstration of the natural out of the ordinary to cause this fright. It was a supernatural manifestation of his nearness. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. 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 Daystar helped with the book project. Glory, raise your hand. Oh, you guys see that anointed yeah. video? Yeah. 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 And with Bill and Luke, she was the one that made that. So that was amazing. How many more people have been a part of praying or supporting? It's just awesome. So there was Holy Spirit house fires happening. Bonnie Bray Street. Most of you guys know the story, so I'm going to go a bit deeper on some of the things and the rest of it's in the book. But Holy Spirit fires would happen in homes. Yeah. So people would gather in homes like we're doing right now. There's there's testimonies of a blind person walking by, being apprehended by the Spirit, getting inside, getting prayer, getting completely saved, healed, and delivered, getting his eyesight back, just by walking by when people were worshiping Jesus. It's amazing. There would be stories where people wanted were on their way to church, but they were like, no, let's go in this home and pray before because we're just hungry for God. They go and pray. They get apprehended. They wouldn't even make it to the meeting because people would get baptized and speak in tongues in their home. And just like amazing things. Um, 
This is a fun story, and I'm releasing this because I'm like, God, do it again. Do it. Why not tonight? Yeah. One of the stories in near Los Angeles, because they talked about the fire coming on the house and melting people down in the presence of God. At a meeting recently held in a cottage near the church, one sister was baptized with the Holy Ghost on the front porch. She lay under the power of God for something like two hours, praising God and speaking in an unknown tongue. Oh. Two nights afterward, at another like house meeting, the house was filled to overflowing with people. Wow, I think we're kind of overflowing with people right now. Five were baptized. The meeting lasted until one o'clock in the morning. Five were baptized in the Holy Ghost. Three were sanctified. Two sisters lay under the power of God until one o'clock, speaking and singing in unknown tongues. The singing could be heard over the hills. This is stirring the people, and God is going to work wonders in this place. Sometimes the presence of God would crash in so powerfully when, when the body of Christ would meet, they couldn't even eat breakfast. They would be eating, they would just fall, like fall down and just get slammed and scared, and they wouldn't even eat. People would get people would get healed, they'd go to the meeting late. So it was, just, it was just at night, it was like house fires, and it was happening in India, it was happening in Australia, it was happening around the world, it wasn't just in Los Angeles. You know, it was just, this fire was spreading, and we are on this verge of uh, fire spreading around the world. Some will be connected to Azusa now, some won't. Some's already, stuff's happening in Texas right now. It's like, birthing, like crazy. But we're going to see these revival fires, like, everywhere start to spring up. Um, our time was the Lord's. We had no prearranged program to be jammed through on time. Our time was the Lord's. And so, as we're in this meeting, you know, I had someone ask me, what's the plan? I'm like, this is the plan. <laughs> <laughs> like, if he wants to just rock people, this is we start with him. And I think um, what what you guys experienced before I'm actually speaking, I wanted you guys to experience that because that's what it was like in Azusa. That's what it was like in the Welsh Revival. It was a spontaneous flow of the Holy Spirit. People would see what God was doing and they would just respond. And nobody was really in charge because everyone was just going with the flow of the Holy Spirit. And it was just beautiful um, to steward that. They, the, the services ran almost continuously. People could be found under the power almost any hour, night and day. The place was never closed or empty. The people came to meet with God. He was always there. The, the meeting did not depend on the human leader. God's presence became more and more and, and one of my favorite quotes, which I read in first year, I'll read this in second year, is there was no nine o'clock, no closing the meeting at nine o'clock sharp to keep the ministers, to keep the, the people. We wanted God in those days. We did not have a thousand other things we wanted. And so how wonderful to start this meeting tonight with God. No other agenda but Him. And just to build on it, give you some testimonies to make you hungrier, and then go after God even more. <laughs> we did not have a thousand other things we wanted before God. And I'm just thinking, like, our generation, we have a thousand other things. Okay, Azusa Street Revival, they didn't have a thousand other things. Because they didn't have internet, they didn't have iPhones, they didn't have TVs. They didn't have a thousand other things in their mind. We have so much more information than they, than they had. It was, in a sense, simpler for them to choose the Lord. And so when this generation says no to a thousand other things and yes to God, or yes is so much bigger. And so our fire is going to be so much stronger. Because we're 
we're saying no, we can say yes to a million other options. Yes. Right? We can say yes to a million other options. So when our generation says yes to the one thing, mm -hmm. there's a different sort of momentum and fire yeah. behind it because we're saying yeah. no to a thousand other things. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And the funny thing is, we're posting this is a baptism of fire night. Let's go Azusa Street Revival. And as I'm praying today, God, like, what, what do we want to release? I feel like the fire was already released and worship was just amazing. It would come more. But he actually gave me a completely different um, analogy to use tonight and I have to use it because I feel it's very prophetic for where we are today in this group and he talked about how the timing is now and our, our generation is pregnant and so I feel like the fire will come from this but I, I just have to, to honor that we are in the day between the death and resurrection March 26th we, Good Friday was yesterday and Easter is tomorrow. The timing of you guys here, we actually, we're going to cancel, we're going to have this a different day, and I'm like, no, there's something on today. There's something on the momentum of what God is doing. And so, today is, is the day in between the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I feel like our generation is in this in-between place. Our generation is in between, we're dying to old things, we're consecrating ourselves, and we're about to be awakened, right? We're about to be raised from the dead as a generation. And so we're in this, like, what did it feel like for the disciples when they didn't see Jesus? It was probably confusing, it was probably stressful, it was probably chaotic in their minds, right? I don't know if you guys are feeling like everything's coming at you, I don't know what it's going to look like, I'm freaking out, but it, it's, it's not this happy place to be in when... Jesus, who you love, died, and you don't know, is he really going to come back? Wow. Yeah. But I feel like we're in this in-between place right now. Sorry, girl. Um, where it may, I don't want to prophesy this, but don't be surprised if it gets a little darker before the light breaks through. Just don't be surprised. I'm not saying it's going to happen or it has to happen. But hope goes to the darkest places. Light goes to the darkest places. And sometimes things get worse before they get better. But what if, what if William J. Seymour and his crew, what if they stopped pressing in for God on April 8, 1906? What if they were hungry for God and they pressed on, they waited for him, and nothing was breaking through, and they gave up and they stopped? They were one day away, right? So there's this time right now where we're still pressing and we need to press on until we press through. We can't give up because what if we're a day away from this shift, from this dam breaking, from this floodgate? So So May, May 26, 1906 was a time of waiting, anticipation, pressing in for Seymour and his friends. He was kicked out of a church March 4th, 1906. And he's in this spot of in between, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I feel God's doing something, but there's no breakthrough yet. There's this waiting at Pentecost. The disciples, after Jesus, you know, um, they say, wait for, for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. They're waiting. There's something about waiting that I think is really significant. There's something about actively waiting. You guys aren't just waiting for this next week of God and sitting back and shutting. You guys are pressing. And you guys are praying. You guys are worshiping. You guys are meeting. You guys are fasting. Like, you guys are partnering with what God is doing. It's beautiful. And when you're pregnant, I mean, you can physically, you, you see a belly growing, but you can't see the baby. 
right? When we're pregnant with something, we can't really see what it is yet. And so you guys are all feeling something right now because God is doing something. Everybody in this room is feeling God, but you can't see it. You don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if we've ever seen this type of baby be birthed before. And so there's this thing where where we're feeling everything in in the deepest places, but we can't see it yet because it's not been released. And when it's released, like, that's what it is. We knew that's what it was. But we don't really know right now, so it's a bit more, you know, like, God, what are you doing? And, and I just want to read Romans 8.22, the message. This is all around us as we observe a, a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. It is not only around us, it is within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pains. The sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what it is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. You guys, I really feel our generation is pregnant with birthing this next great awakening. And there's something about waiting. And I looked up the word wait in the Bible. What does it mean to wait? And it, it talked about twist, stretch, the intention of enduring during waiting. It's almost like when you're waiting and you're pregnant, like you feel the twisting, you feel this like, I want to get this out, but it has to come out in the right time. If it comes out yeah. too early, it's premature. It's not fully formed. If it comes out too late, that's not healthy. There's a time to push, and, and it just happens naturally. You can't make it come out early, you know what I'm saying? And so I feel we're all feeling like God's about to burst something, and so we're just partnering with what he's doing. Um, it also means, in, a, in Assyrian, it, weight means cord, strong, strength, a strand of rope. In Syriac, it means endure, remain, await, threads. In, in Strong's Concordance, it means gather together, look, tarry, wait for, wait upon. The primitive root of the word means to bind together, perhaps by twisting. We're thinking of rope and strands. The more strands of rope you get together, the stronger the cord is going to be. Um, Expectant, look patiently. Gather together, wait upon, hope for, eagerly wait patiently. A time of intense focus and pushing will come. It might be painful, it probably will be painful, but don't give up because when the baby comes, it's going to be all worth it. But there's this time of focus, and I think, think we're all on that, focusing right now. And once the baby comes, we don't need to keep birthing. That's good news, but we, we have to raise the baby. So once we, we birth this next generation into this new era, we're going to have a responsibility to carry what's been birthed, and to raise up and disciple and to train and to love and embrace this billion-soul harvest that's on, on its way. Um, so just like... The death and resurrection, there has to come a death before there comes a resurrection. Our nation is, is on the verge of this resurrection, right? And so, once, so revival, I'm just going to throw out my theory of revival, which is Jen Miskoff's theory, so you can probably people disagree with it. But when someone's dead, you resurrect them, they're alive. You don't need to keep resurrecting them. Yeah. Right? They're dead. When someone's sleeping and you need to awaken them, once they're awake, you don't need to keep waking them up. 
Right? We're waking up our nation right now. But once it's awake, we don't need to keep wake up, wake up, wake up. We need to say, okay, now you need to empower to be the contribution you're called to make in this world. Now you need to walk in the fullness of your God-given destiny. I'm not going to say, wake up, wake up, wake up. Wake up, no, wake up. And then he's awake, and I'll be like, wake up, wake up, wake up. Come on. There he is. I'm not going to say, wake up, wake up, when he's awake. I'm going to say, come on, no, get up. We're going to actually do something now. You have a calling. You have a calling to lead this generation into a new era. So you're going to be the man that God has called and created you to be. I don't need to wake you up anymore because you're already awakened. And now you're going to lead and do what you're born to do. Because there's works that God's created beforehand for us to walk into. And people need to recognize what those are. We need to empower them and we need to help them walk in. Thank you. Good job. Good job. <laughs> so once we, once we awaken this generation, there's this kind of sense of responsibility and awe. And like, we don't, like, revival, do we want to live in a state of revival all the time? We want to live in the state of momentum and growing from, from glory to glory, but we don't need to keep waking people up. Once they're awakened, we need to empower them to fulfill their God-given destiny. Yeah. Good word. <laughs> yes. yeah. You guys are about to shift. Everything's about to shift in your life with the anointing. The opportunities on your life is going to increase and grow. And I just want you guys to know, like, you're not inadequate. You guys are called, appointed, anointed by God. And you may feel like, I'm just a kid, or I'm just a student, or I have no experience. But God is actually positioning you guys to be generals in His army. And when this billion soul harvest comes, you guys are the ones that are going to carry it. You guys are the ones that are going to to hold this in your hands. So there's this, this waiting period. But there's something beautiful about waiting. Because they were waiting, they were meeting at the Bonnie Bray house in Azusa for a while. He got kicked out March 4th. They were, they were worshiping and meeting all the time, just waiting on God just like we are. There's something about, like, we're waiting, we wait on God every Friday for the next hundred years. I don't know when God's going to crash in and do something crazy, but I want to be there when he does. So uh -huh. I'm going to position myself and cultivate an environment around me. So when it's time for him to crash into our generation, I'm exactly where I need to be for him yeah. to do it. The disciples at the, the Pentecost, they waited. They waited 10 days. Did they, did they know it was going to be day 9, 10, or 11? But what if they gave up on day 9? So there's just this something where William J. Seymour did not give up. They did not give up until they broke through. They persisted until they broke through. And so in your breakthroughs in your own life and your destinies, don't quit the day before. Because you don't know all the momentum that you've built. It might just be this last tiny little tipping point and everything changes. So some of you guys have radical dreams and visions that God's given you since you were younger. Don't give up. Heidi Baker got called to Africa, England, Asia as a teenager. It was 20 years later before she finally set foot to the land of her destiny. And so sometimes uh, if you're pregnant with something, and it, t it might take longer than you think, but that's just because the dream is so massive and it's going to impact more people. So just don't give up on those 
please, I urge you, there's people's lives that are dependent upon your yes. gifts. Wow. Yeah. There's people that are praying right now. Martin Luther King Jr., if he didn't step into his destiny, this world would be a different place. If he said, I'm going to succumb to, uh, I don't want to offend people. If I'm going to run the other way, like, it would be a completely different, different place. And so um, I just want to just close this little time with... Um, With something that God has been highlighting to me lately, I'm good with that. Thanks. Um, the story of, of Mary of Bethany, who has a brother named Lazarus, and Jesus comes too late, and her brother is dead. And Jesus sees her, and he sees her pain, and he weeps, because he's stirred by this friendship he has with this woman who's lost her brother. And he raises her, son, her, her brother from the dead, and then you see later on in the story, she goes into this home where all the disciples are, and she breaks a bottle of perfume that probably took, it was probably a year's wages. That's how expensive this perfume was. So if you're here, what is that, $25,000? You know, I don't know, it's very expensive perfume. She breaks it and just bathes Jesus with this perfume. Jesus' best friends are offended. His closest friends. It wasn't just Judas Iscariot. It said disciples. Of course, Judas Iscariot was one that was like, why didn't you give this to the poor? Why did you do such a thing? But this lavish love, and I feel like that's the place God wants to take us. It's this lavish love. It doesn't matter who it offends because it's loving Jesus. When she did that act, they actually were indignant by that lavish love. That act of love to Jesus they were indignant, like rage, angry because of her love for Jesus. Wow. It actually did something. And these were Jesus' best friends. So I'm just saying, don't try to please anyone around you. If Jesus tells you to do something or love someone, do it because you only need to worry about pleasing and loving him. And some of your, your acts of radical love are going to offend people that are leaders in the church, religious people, people you even look up to. But Jesus said, no, I got your back. You guys do not rebuke this woman. Her name will be spread through history. What she's done will be made known because she loved me and honored me. You guys didn't even wash my feet when I came in, but she loved me. She poured out everything. And so I just want to release over you guys. Um, yeah, I just received um, just radical acts of consecrated love to Jesus. It doesn't matter who you're going to offend because it's for Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray for a courage to be imparted in this room, God. I pray for a greater level of passion and hunger and fire for you, God. I thank you for those radical acts of love. I thank you that William J. Seymour did not give up until he broke through. God, I thank you that we are going to be a generation. We are going to be a people that do not give up until we've broken this generation into the next era, into this next great awakening. We're not going to give up, God. We declare that we will not give up until we have seen your purposes fulfilled in our, in our day. We will not give up. We will not give up. 
And so, Lord, I pray that you would mark each person in this room. I felt like tonight was going to be a commissioning for you guys, a commissioning for Azusa now, a commissioning for what God's doing in this generation. And there's going to be this impartation from this story of Azusa and just being here with the, the right time, the right place. And so, Lord, I pray for this impartation. I pray for this commissioning that each person in here would know who they're called to be, that there would be this new just just fire in them, that the Azusa story would just be the tipping point, would just be the beginning, that we would see so much more than they saw. God, because we're not just we're not just saying yes to you with a few things distracting us. There is a, a war out there. Though an army besiege me, the war break out against me. Even one thing I ask, and that I seek, that I may seek your face. And so God, I declare Psalm 27 over each person in this room. God, I, I declare that each person in this room would be marked by intimacy with you and with family, that nobody would be a solo Christian like Evan Roberts, who, who kind of went on his own and isolated himself, and then the Bible was cut short. God, I thank you that each person in here is going to fight for family. Each person in here is going to be vulnerable with people in their circles. They're going to say, this is important. I'm not going to be a solo Christian. God, I thank you that you're going to cause heroes to arise from the dust that are obscured and despised. No matter what their life looks like before, God, I thank you that today is a new day of resurrection. So I just declare as people go home tonight, as people even get rocked and slain in the spirit here, the fire of God would fall and burn up anything contrary to your nation, anything that needs to die.